Welcome to the Middle Tech Spotlight Series. You've got Logan Jones and Evan Knowles here recording out of the Sales River Studio. And the Middle Tech Spotlight Series is where we highlight entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem supporters that are building our startup ecosystem. Uh, so we've been talking to founders consistently over the last four years, and we want to use this series to keep tabs on the companies being built here. Uh, so today we're talking with Varun Dwarka, head of bioinformatics at True Diagnostics, uh, which is being built right here in Lexington, Kentucky. And this is an interesting company because it is literally helping people understand their biological age. So, you know, we have the age that we're assigned by time. Uh, so, like, I'm 26, Evan's 27. But what do our epigenetics uh, say about us? What do our uh, biomarkers, how old do they tell us uh, we are? So, we are going to do something a little different for this intro. And we are actually going to uh, take live uh, one of the tests to determine our uh, biological age, and then we're going to guess what we think it's going to be, and then we're going to have a part two of this where we sit down with Varun and go over the results of that test. So major shout out to Varun for getting us these tests so we can do something a little different here. So do you want to kick us off with a little unboxing action here and then prick Let's our fingers? Yeah. yeah. All right. I will say I've known Varun for a couple of years now. He's a really awesome guy who's also a music producer. Really? On the side. I didn't, so we've been talking about middle tech for a while, and he likes podcasting. He's actually doing a podcast now for True Diagnostics, so it's good to have him on the podcast finally. Yeah, this was probably one of my favorite interviews that's uh, like strictly getting into the weeds of a company that we've done recently. Um, so if you have heard of Brian Johnson, he's one of the entrepreneurs that uh, is trying to reverse his biological age. We talked to Varun quite extensively uh, about Brian Johnson because uh, True Diagnostic is actually helping Brian Johnson um, get those tests so he can understand what his biological age is so he can try and reverse it. Um, so worth looking up if you haven't read any stories about Brian Johnson yet. He's been kind of all over the uh, tech websites, uh, TechCrunch and The Verge and all that. Um, so I'd recommend going and looking into that uh, if you're interested. So um, I guess the steps here. First, we're going to need to uh, get the gauze pad out, get the alcohol pad out. We're going to be actually pricking our fingers here, so if that makes you queasy in any way, you might want to skip this part. Um, Does it say which finger? So it says the side. Of, it can be any finger, but it said do the side of it because there's less nerve endings there. You ever had your blood taken, like actually taken? Yeah, I almost passed out. I had yeah. some apple juice. We are really putting on a brave face for the Middle Tech listeners here by pricking our fingers and acting like we're not. No, we'll scared of it. Okay. All right. So you get the alcohol pad on there. We've already washed our hands. Or these little things prick it. Yeah. Um, so we got the little little pricker things there. And then so what we're going to do is you get this little card. Why are there two of them? Just in case you mess up or yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess because it, once, it, once you spring it, like it's done. Then you're going to gonna have to drip the blood. So we got this little card. You can see there that little circle. We're going to drop our blood onto that little circle, which we should probably not like actually show the blood dropping. You want to go first? Do it at the oh, same I don't time? Know. How does this work? How does you it... just push it down and it triggers a spring. and then it... oh, I don't like that. <laughs> it jabs your finger. I'm actually pretty scared. <laughs> Did you not know what we were doing here? I don't know. All right. All right. You ready? Yeah. Just one, two, three. You ready? All right. Do it together. One, two, three. Oh, that wasn't that bad. All right. It says wipe away the first bit of blood with the gauze strip. How's your blood flow looking? Good enough there? get sick are you serious i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i like it i don't think i like it this is the most entertaining the middle tech podcast has ever been and evan's gonna pass out i mean that is like 
Good Lord. It's just not bleeding enough. All right. While we're doing this, do you want to guess what your age is going to be? If you can actually successfully get all the blood in there? Yeah, I'm going to say 36. Really? Yeah. You don't think you're that healthy? I thought you said you're healthy as a horse. That's what my doctors tell me, but. You don't trust them? I, okay, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess I'm 26 right on the nose. I think I'm pretty healthy. I think the only thing that could drag my biological age down, well, there's a few things, but I think diet is probably the number one for me. I thought Vern said you typically are older than your age. He was like 10 years. I thought he was like 10 years off from his actual age. Really? Oh, well, maybe my going to be off. cocky. I Mine just stopped bleeding, so I'm going to have to. Prick it again. Wow. Dude, you're actually going to do it? You're pretty, you're pretty brave. You're pretty brave. All right, there we go. That's that's, that's gonna make me pass out. That that'll do it there. That's 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 bleeding good there. All right, I need some apple juice. I'm like shaking. Dude, my, oh, I might. It's, it's going all over the place. I really don't. I really. This is just game over here. This is. Look at this. This is unacceptable. Oh my god. god dang. Oh shoot. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a lot. Here. You got this some blood to spare for me? <laughs> Mine's Shit. not going enough. <laughs> Whose idea was this? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so we made it through that. Got our blood blood sample here, ready to go. Um all right. To uh restate our our guesses here. I'm going to up mine to 28. I'm going to say I'm going to say 28. That's probably still aggressive, but I do feel really healthy. You, what'd you say? Thirty something? So like mid thirties, yeah. Mid thirties. All right, all right. Um, so we've we've taken our test here. We'll get into the episode now. Uh, again, we'll do a part two of this with Varun to go over the actual results of the test and see what our true biological age is. Uh, but before we dive into that, we just want to get a quick word from the sponsors that make all of this possible. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's Office of Entrepreneurship. KY Innovation is currently accepting applications for its SBIR-STTR matching funds program. Kentucky's program is a national trendsetter for providing critical non-dilutive capital to support the high-tech research, development, and commercialization of novel ideas within the Commonwealth. SBIR matching funds have directly contributed to the creation of more than 700 jobs, more than 200 patents filed, and more than $160 million raised in private follow-on funding and to dozens of companies relocating to the state. The matching funds application window is open through April 24th. To apply and learn more about support services for companies that want to explore SBIR, STTR grants and contracts, visit kyinnovation.com SBIR. All right, Varun, thanks for joining, man. We uh, got drinks not too long ago. Yeah. And uh, a mirror twin, and I was blown away, blown away by kind of what you're working on and, and what your company's doing. Thanks, man. And yeah. you were just about to finish your PhD too, which you just mentioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, looking forward to kind of getting into uh, true diagnostic and talking about, you know, your journey there and then what you guys are building. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks guys. Really to have the platform and I love what you guys are doing for not only Kentucky, but just like for the state of uh, tech. So yeah, really, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So dig into, you know, what the company is doing and then we'll go into your background and kind of uh, riff from there. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so True Diagnostic Incorporated is um, Lexington-based, and the whole premise is essentially being a epigenetic um, age company. Well, epigenetic company. What that essentially means is that we one part of it is running diagnostics using epigenetic markers as a way to understand, to better understand how somebody is aging. 
And so using a simple blood test, what we can do is actually identify the biological age of an individual. Now, mm -hmm. this is not the age that's based on your date of birth, but an age that's determined based on how you treat your body. And so that was kind of the start of the company. But now what we've been starting to do is a lot more research and development. So publishing papers, working with a lot of collaborators, specifically in the academic sector, but really trying to understand how these biomarkers are associating not just beyond aging, but to other health covariates and trying to get um, epigenetic testing as a essentially a, like a um, preliminary test to say what is your risk of different comorbidities and health, health outputs. So risk of cardiovascular disease, risk of diabetes, risk of cancer, um, yeah. dementia, things like that. So maybe if you look at somebody's data and it says their biological age is X yeah. and you notice there's a trend that at that age on average these conditions start to appear is that like an application is that oh, what's going on there yeah okay. and really it's that um it's that acceleration or deceleration right because like let's say if i'm i'm 31 uh if i take the test and it says i'm 42 it's like shit man I'm yeah. something wrong yeah. <laughs> you know? get your ass in here yeah and and sometimes you know aging is a very subjective thing when you think about it because like mm. you know hey like you know i feel like i'm 35 it's like nah dude you're like 42. Mm. this is that objective way to put a number on it that's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah, I feel like there's more attention on this now because I'm sure you've seen this uh, entrepreneur that's trying to like reverse or stop his aging. In Brian Johnson. Yeah, and I I, I kind of dove into that not too long ago, just how he's doing that, like how rigid yeah. his diet has to be and his workouts have to be. Is that like right along the lines of what you guys are trying <laughs> to study and, and help with? Not only are, is it right along, we actually work with Brian okay. Johnson. Okay, I was about to ask. No, I was, was going to say, like, so, it sounds like um, it's right. right so um, me and Ryan, the founder of our company, uh, we are always in calls with Brian and his uh, doctor, Oliver Zolman. Wow. Um, and so the way that he's been doing it is actually very meticulous. And I, I have to say this because I think when he kind of put out that Bloomberg article. That Can I actually, I'd let, let me back up. Yeah, sure. Would you mind just giving an overview on what this whole thing is for people that haven't heard, yeah, yeah, heard yeah, of yeah. Brian Johnson? Yeah, so so Brian Johnson um, was the founder of, I think it was Braintree. And then yeah. mm -hmm. um, PayPal, he, I think, bought them. Yeah, PayPal bought them. And then through that, it was acquired by Venmo. And so he made a, a good amount of money. But he was also very interested in the whole you know biotech space, specifically in longevity which we can go on to because there's also other um, really big names that really get into it. And so what he started to do was a meticulous, um, um, essentially like schedule of taking all these different types of supplements, uh, different workouts, making sure his nutrient content was exactly right. And this isn't just like, you know, hey, you know, calorie counting or whatever, but he's like literally like eating just straight, you know, like just spinach with like nothing, like no dressing, no nothing. Um, and he's just going through this uh, a little bit more meticulous than the, not only the average person, but even like some of these athletes. He's, and then he's measuring not only his uh, different blood um, measurements, like so your like CRP measures and things like that, but how he got connected to us is that he started to utilize one of our um, algorithms, which is called the Dunedin Pace algorithm. It's essentially a way of telling you the pace of aging at the time that you collected it. And this is a more current uh, pace of aging. So it's at the time, it's not influenced by anything you've done in the history or in the future. Well, a little bit is. And so why, so what his whole premise was is he's putting the, what the articles say is that he's putting $2 million into this, which is true because in order to get all those measurements, it's, you have to be very meticulous and you have to get everything right. 
Um, but the thing that I think they they also fail to recognize is that he is doing this as kind of like an aging um, um, athlete, if you will. Athletes, LeBron James, everyone, they put so much effort, money, time, and energy into do, perfecting what they do. He's trying to do that with this whole reversing aging uh, aspect. Interesting. And yeah, it's and he's wealthy. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, I saw that it's like he's essentially almost reversing his age. And yeah, like, and, and what is interesting too is that certain systems are reversing a lot faster than other systems. Like his heart health is like, what, 36, don't quote me on that, mm -hmm. um, but like 36, while his like other aspects um, are like 18 and like, you know, um, I think there was like one that's like 22 or something. Yeah. So it also kind of adds, I mean, especially as a scientist, like what I start to notice is that, hey, like, you know, we can't look at just aging as like a totality. You have to look at it from a, you know, like a systems perspective. Um, and that, you know, different interventions and different like, you know, efforts will reverse age or reduce age. Yeah. Um, to more than, more than yeah. just like altogether. What that makes me think of is like, our body really doesn't care about the subjective time that we've made. Like it, it doesn't know what a year is really. It's just yeah. like, it's all subjective because it's a human construct really. So it's like, if you can, I don't know. It's it's crazy to think of like yeah. treating your body so optimally that Absolutely. it can it can maintain. Is it uh, is it fair to say almost like a homeostasis of ways? Is like you're you're allowing your body to maintain this perfect condition in a way. Absolutely, yeah. Homeostasis yeah. is a good way to put it. And then yeah. also, if, if if even if you are using your body a little bit extra, I think it's a maintenance of that. Mm. It's kind of like just having a car, right? You can one way to put, uh, make sure that a car exists is don't freaking drive it, you know? Yeah. Or the number two is make sure, you know, routine checkups and, and using the premier, like premium, like, you know, um, facilities. And that's what he's doing, right? Like he's yeah, using yeah. all the premium facilities to really become that, you know, longevity athlete. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, you know, he's, I was saying he's wealthy. How far off are we from this being a consumer play? So, so yeah, uh, and and that's the equity in this is is definitely something to touch upon because he is putting about two million dollars into it. However, a lot of our research and development, what we look at is you know what treatments actually allow you to reverse your age, and quite honestly, you can hit um, let's say eighty percent of it just by you know changing your diet, mm. calorie counting. There's effects like uh, using uh, metformin. We know that there are um, there, it's a it's a uh, it's a drug of sorts. You can use metformin to kind of reduce that aging level. Vitamin D supplementation, exercise. We see that having and also just cutting out drinking. Like these are all behavioral changes that you can get to like eighty to ninety percent there. What he's trying to do is, how do you get that ten percent? Yeah. And one of the things I credit him for is literally the discipline, mm -hmm. because it is hard to stick on that. It yeah. is, and especially like you know, because he's not just like. He's not just rich and like just doing it and doing nothing else. He's also, you know, working on his own endeavors. Yeah, that's crazy. That's okay. crazy. It's such a cool, cool story to continue to follow. And that's, yeah. that's hilarious that you guys are working on. Not, not even hilarious. It's just cool. Yeah, we didn't, just, yeah, we didn't know that going to the <laughs> Oh, no, no, it's all good. Question. Yeah, the Rejuvenation Olympics is a uh, true diagnostic is, uh, is doing a lot of the stuff for rejuvenation. Cool. How do you, uh, how do you protect? What is there to protect within your company, technology-wise, research-wise? Uh, and how do you approach that? Yeah, no, data. Data, data, data. Data is the thing that makes me, like, I, I sometimes cannot sleep because it's it's really, it's like, you know, you want to make sure that your patients and the people that use this, they're trusting you when they send you this data, right? Mm. 
you have HIPAA compliance. Also, when you're using this data to, to develop new tools, you have to make sure that it's being done in, in the best way that protects the identity of these individuals. And I think that that's really the protection of the data and the data itself. The data is our biggest asset because not only does it make allow us to improve whatever we have, it is what allows us to kind of further the field forward because we the reason why we're able to have a lot of these collaborations with like, you know, uh, like Harvard, Yale, um, Auburn, UCSF, all these different premier institutions coming from Kentucky is because we've spent so much time allocating this data, protecting it, and making sure it's usable to advance um, the longevity space. Super cool. Well, let's back up for just a little bit um, and talk about the origins of this company and the origins of it being here in Kentucky. Sure, yeah. How did this come to be? How did True, Not, True Diagnostics start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was started by um, a few of our founders, Ryan, Hannah, and then also um, Jeremy Delk, um, if you mm. know yeah. him. Um, but it was started in April 2020. Uh, right when the pandemic was <laughs> kind of you know starting up and all that, or at least the social distancing. Yeah, but they they were part of a different um, company that was associated with uh, peptides, and so through that they were actually able to get their clinical roster. You know they had a lot of these connections to cash pay physicians, physicians in general, things like that. But um, what Ryan and Hannah kind of figured out was like there's this whole space of epigenetic um, age like methylation testing not as a consumer, but like more of a science. It was a breakthrough that started to come out. And then they had the idea that like, what if, what if we can just make this into a little bit more of a, um, a testing, like a, because there's a lot of application to, you know, to uh, predictive health, you know, how well are you gonna age and things like that. So they started, um, they started to reach out to their connections and voila, they had the consumer base already because they're essentially going to the people that can afford this test. This test is $500, but the reason why is because we're using, you know, research grade um, uh, tools, mm -hmm. essentially. And so through that, you know, they started to, you know, get more of these like, you know, blood samples. They're starting to see, um, run these arrays, these chips um, to quantify these biomarkers. Um, and again, this is like 850,000 uh, sites on your DNA, which is still like 1% of, of all the sites, but they're the ones that typically change the most. Huh. And so they started to go through, they hired my counterpart, uh, uh, Tavis Mendez. So he's another PhD who um, runs the lab operations. And to their credit, they got, you know, the minimum viable product started. But this is where they needed somebody to really go in and start to um, dive deeper into the data. And we're looking at like a, if you think about like a data matrix of like 15,000 samples across 900,000 sites, that's, you need heavy compute. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, a lot of what I did during my grad work was working with shitty ass data like this. Um, and really just, you know, trying to make sense of it, make it human readable, try to, you know, extract as much information. And so that was my task. And so I joined as a consultant in I think February, 2021, and then um, converted over to full-time after I graduated. And how much schooling has taken, has it taken you to get to this point? Because I remember we connected three, maybe three years ago. Yeah, three years and ago. And you were still in school and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm ever going to get out. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> you're just in this, seemed like you're in a rut with so much school. Yeah. And now you're out and you're doing this cool stuff. So how long, you know, how long the process has it been to get here? Um, it was a long time. Um, four, four years of undergrad, a year of uh, my, you know, um, gap year. 
which I will, I'll explain why that's influential, and then six years of my PhD. So about 11 years or 10 years of actual schooling. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I will say this. I think that there are a lot of people that can do this without needing all that. So um, it's just that for me and my journey, I think my 10,000 hours really came from my PhD. If you think about the, you know, to master something. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, I don't think I mastered it. I think I gave me enough of a, a, you know, leeway to be able to talk the talk and like figure out where to start. Yeah. Because I think that's the hardest part. For sure. And so your position is head of bioinformatics. Head Did of I get bio- that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so talk, talk a little bit about what that what that role entails and like sure. your path to it. So you obviously had all this education, but how do you get specifically into that type of role? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was kind of fortunate, really, because my a lot of what I did during my PhD was um, utilizing a, lo- a lot of these like sequencing data and all this biological data. So I will say during that time, I kind of started to better understand like how to deal with that. And so well, the tool that I used was bioinformatics. It's essentially this combination of statistics and computer science to really dive deep into a lot of these biological data sets. Like I was kind of talking about, you know, you're looking at 10,000 samples across, you know, 900,000 sites. That's actually pretty small compared to, let's like, say, you look at the entire genome. You're not going to do that just by like you know clicking and going through individual sites, right? What you can start to do is use machine learning, or like linear modeling, or multivariate modeling, whatever you want, AI, um, to pick out some features that you know maybe the machine recognizes, but you might not, because as a human being, you're you're always constrained to like you know whatever you, your preconceptions, right? And so this is where machine learning really, really comes into play. And that was kind of what I did during my, um, my PhD was utilizing statistical tests to figure out, like, you know, what biomarkers are specific for some biological process. And so that kind of led into this role. So here it was like, you know, building out a pipeline that will tell you that will take all the data from, let's say, you know, just like the, the machine uh, data to something that's more human readable. But then also when we start to improve our algorithms, you know, how do we take all that data in the proper way and then actually get something useful that is not only useful in terms of like, you know, oh, it's accuracy and all that, but biologically meaningful. Mm. And that's where the bio, biology or the bio and the bioinformatics comes into play. It's because they're all numbers. You're going to find something. But it's like, is that something really, really important to what you're studying? Yeah. And how has the business been uh, funded to this point? You mentioned SBAR grants. Yeah. You guys do any VCs, self-funded. Talk about, you know, how you get to this point. Yeah, that's the, that's the credit to the founders. They, um, whatever they, you know, they kind of uh, left the previous company really for this because um, they really believed in it. So they took a lot of whatever money that they made and then funded it completely at startup. Um, and after that, it was, you know, like, like I was telling you, you know, a lot of my job, especially with the founder, is to write SBIR grants. And so I'll serve as the principal investigator. And so essentially, like, you know, how do we uh, keep the innovation going? Mm-hmm. And so uh, KY, KY Innovation. Well, yeah, talk about that. Talk about sponsor. if you're working with them and what SBIR grants mean to your business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So SBIR, um, we go specifically through the NIH, the National Institute of Health. But KY Innovation, we've been meeting with, uh, you know, individuals from that office because it's always the the match, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, uh, we've been able to submit a lot of SBR grants because after connecting with the KY Innovation, and I think there's some adjunct or affiliate um, departments, you know, they've recommended us to grant writers or like 
to individuals that like, okay, here's our grant. We send it off to somebody that'll you know consult with us, and then they're like, yeah, just scratch everything. Like this is this is utter shit. Like, and and but in the best way possible, right? Yeah. And so it's it's very much they're really helping us uh, hone in on our language, our writing, um, and really getting us to that next step because you know we're asking for like two hundred thousand dollars to at least get like you know build a new algorithm that you know. I think this last one we were looking at the uh, risk score of, of uh, Alzheimer's based off of you know certain imprinting regions that you mm. get from you know your parents. Super interesting. Yeah. As we kind of get towards the end of this episode, I'd love to end talking about like the future of this space. Yeah. So you mentioned artificial intelligence, machine learning. Yeah. Talk about you know what the future of this bioinformatics uh, space looks like yeah. and. Talk about how machine learning and artificial intelligence are playing a role in that. So I, so I feel kind of happy that I stumbled upon bioinformatics. Um, I'm not a self-taught coder, or no, I am a self-taught coder. I'm not. I didn't. And the reason why I'm happy is because I think in the future, in the next like two years, if not now, everyone who's in biology will need to understand coding. And the reason why is because every major biotech company, uh, pharmaceutical company, is using machine learning as a way to better their you know, drug targets. Um, in my field, in longevity, I mean, first of all, biotech is going to be like, what, a bill, uh, I think it's like a billion dollars in the next year. No, a trillion dollars. Or something. Like a trillion. Yeah, trillion. trillion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so a large char- a chunk of that is going towards longevity because people are now realizing that, hey, I don't like I it's not that I don't I want to live forever it's like I want for the time that I live I don't want to be with a lot of comorbidities mm. and so people are putting a lot of money into that but how do you objectively find out if you're in the going in the right way or not and so this is where AI and machine learning is really coming in and picking you know uh, biomarkers that you know we traditionally haven't even thought about um, there's a company called in silico medicine based out of um, Hong Kong um, where, which is their whole premise is using AI and they've figured out some amazing methods of like, you know, um, identifying drug targets that, hey, we need to actually start to hit this when it comes to like, say, diabetes or things like that. Moderna's doing the same thing. Um, Roche, Genentech, all that. Eli Lilly probably too. And so we're getting all this data and I think we're hitting to a point, we're hitting a point where because of the amount of data that's there, Machine learning actually has the ability and the enough of the power to, like, statistically pick out biomarkers without any kind of noise, mm. if, if if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, I think that it's because we've been we've done our dues with collecting all this data. Now it's the fun of like you know letting the computer kind of go in and figure it out. That's I think that's going to be the future, 100%, so, if it isn't already. Is that like unsupervised learning in a way? You just give it a ton of data and you're just like, here's the end yeah. goal that we want here and just let it do its thing. Yeah, and I, I think it goes both ways, right? Like you yeah. can use unsupervised to let it be a more data-driven approach. Sure. But I think that it also comes back to like, you know, how much of that is also part of the supervised uh, learning process. So, you know, I, I do have to credit humans for you know, figuring out a certain amount. Like, you know, you we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. Hashtag Google. But like... <laughs> But from that, like I think that you know how much how much of an intersection is there between the supervised and unsupervised. But then if we're missing, if there's something in the unsupervised that you know is there, 
then that's where like you know I think that's where the R&D should be going into is like is this really like is can we get something out of this yeah. is there some truth to this yeah it's and, like uncovering things that might not have been uncovered if you're yeah. specifically like you're blinded if you're looking for only one thing uh, yeah, yeah exactly like other things can kind of come out of that exactly. I, think it's, I think it's super cool um, all right well last question here I think this, this is just like a big question that I think could be yeah have some interesting answers uh, is it ever going to be, is there ever going to be a time where like humanity can solve aging effectively? Like you can, you can extend your, your life out indefinitely. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, this is a very good question. Um, and it's also something that, so I think that, uh, my personal opinion, um, I think there's going to be a, there's going to be a point where we start to saturate how long we can live. Mm. But what I would much rather have is if, you know, if people you know, pass away at 80, I want them to pass away just in their sleep. They never had to, you know, deal with any kind of issues that were, or comorbidities that were due to aging. Aging in itself is a disease because as you age, that's when you're starting to gain a lot more like, you know, diabetes and exposure to the world, which then causes a lot of um, issues health-wise, right? And so... I think if the the more that we're able to not only educate individuals on how to better manage that, but then give them the tools to do that for themselves, like the diagnostics or, you know, just being able to tell them, hey, like, you know, based objectively on like, you know, vitamin D consumption, we see that there's a decrease in that biological age and then teach them, educate them. Um, shout out to Andrew Huberman, because that, I think that's what he does. For sure. Right? If we can do that, I would much rather have someone, you know, pass away at 80, but have the fullest life versus somebody who's at 150, but in the last 30, 40 years of their their time, they're just like, you know, the fucking hate this, like, you know, and uh, become like that curmudgeon old man or lady that lives on the street. Yeah. And and so I to answer your question, yes, both of those will, will I think, will be solved. Not solved, but there's going to be progress in both of those. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like which one really is, the, is better for not only us as humanity, but also sorry, as people, but also for humanity and, like, the resources of the world. True. If we keep people alive until 150, it's like, dude, that's a lot of consumption. True. So it's also, you know, I'm not trying to say, like, Thanos wasn't wrong or, like, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, you know, be mindful of, like, you know, just, uh, like, like, it's bigger than just humans. Yeah, there's unintended consequences that come along with it. And I think that there's a a prime nexus where, you know, you could have to keep humans happy but also like you know allow for the posterity of posterity of the world yeah super interesting episode man I, it really does feel like here lately with everything going on with ai and like listening to you talk about all of the work that you guys are doing it feels like we're living on the edge of the future like the future <laughs> that we heard about as kids seems yeah. like it's really like come on strong here these past really this past year and that's it, what it feels like and so. it's not only us like even though and i and i have to give credit like you know this is you know this is a kentucky bread company we're all like you know university kentucky affiliates one way or another um but it's we're just like you know one you know contender in this whole game there's a, it's 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 happening everywhere and kentucky is no different yeah. i love that that's awesome well, that's a great place to end it Varun, thanks so much for coming Anything. on and, and sharing about this it was Bro. great super yeah. interesting <laughs>